the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Vladimir Putin escalates the war in Ukraine and threatens a nuclear attack. The risk of escalation as a result of that, John, is going to be incredibly high. Nearly 42,000 New Yorkers abandoned that state for Florida. It's a city that really treats kids like an afterthought, and I have to get my kids out of that. I, I, we can't stay. Federal Reserve raising interest rates by three-quarter of one point. We are moving our policy stance purposefully to a level that will be sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2%. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, September 22nd. I'm Mike Scott. On Wednesday, Russian President Vladimir Putin warned the West that his threats of a nuclear strike was not a bluff. Putin's warning was met by accusations of nuclear blackmail due to no NATO countries threatening nuclear war. The Russian president's threats come as Moscow's military future in Ukraine is losing ground, with Putin's army losing thousands of square miles of territory to a Ukrainian counteroffensive. In addition to threats of nuclear war, Putin has also announced a partial military mobilization, which will see the Russian army conscript reservist civilians. The move has sparked backlash among Russian citizens, with some protesting, while others have fled the country entirely. Reporter Aditya Sharma explains the dire situation in Russia. Vladimir Putin's latest decree is not going unchallenged in Russia. But the state's crackdown is hard nonetheless. A protest monitoring group says mass arrests have been made across the country, including in Moscow. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. The most valuable thing that they can take from us is the lives of our children. I won't give them my child's life. This Russian woman who fled to Serbia says that while she's too afraid to say much about the conflict in Ukraine, she does hope that someone stops Vladimir Putin. Uh, I, I speak with you and I'm afraid, I'm afraid uh, because uh, my government and uh, police uh, can uh, see it and uh, I will have problem in my country. Uh, but, uh, but I want to say uh, freedom for Ukraine. Uh, I, I want to please somebody stop Putin. Andreas Raj of the German Council of Foreign Relations says that the mobilization of troops will be a definite change for Russian citizens. Well, this move constitutes a major change in how Russia has been waging this war. Before this mobilization, from Russia's perspective, mostly such Russian personnel was fighting in Ukraine who chose to do so. Professional soldiers, contracted soldiers, mercenaries. 
and voluntarily based, uh, voluntarily mobilized uh, territorial units. However, now or from now on, with the mobilization, large segments of the Russian society will get directly affected, basically by force, by coercion. So from now on, participation in the war for the average Russian will not be a voluntary thing, but something which the state pushes him uh, to do so. This is a major change for the Russian society. Raj says the West shouldn't be too concerned about Putin's saber-rattling. I wouldn't um, be too much concerned about this, this, nuclear tr- this nuclear threat. In terms of content, it did not really differ from the previous nuclear saber-rattling that the Russian leadership has, uh, has done a few, a, few, a few times already. It constitutes a bit of a change, though, though because ever since the, the beginning of the summer, Russia has not mentioned the possibility of using nuclear, uh, nuclear weapons, so we had basically kind of a three-month period of a lull of, of silence about nuclear weapons. Now Putin again came up, came up with this narrative. However, the good news is that uh, there, there are no signs that Russia would actually mobilize its nuclear forces. Military commentator Colonel Cedric Layton theorizes how Russia's mobilized troops could make a difference on the battlefield. Where they could make a difference would potentially be in these areas right here. What they might do is they might be used to secure uh, these particular areas. Uh, Now, this, of course, is where Ukraine has made significant gains, so they'd have a bit of a difficult time in this area. But what the Russians can do is once you go into these areas that they control, in essence, the land bridge from this part of Russia all the way to Crimea, which is right down here, those are the areas where they could make a difference if they are the right specialties. So that would include infantry troops, uh, tank troops, armored uh, armored personnel drivers, uh, and also uh, infantry folks. So these are the kinds of things that uh, and uh, kinds of capabilities that they'd be looking at. And they would primarily be used here unless Putin wants to do something uh, through Belarus or through this part of Russia. We don't see any movement like that, but those are, of course, possibilities for Russia's movement. Layton says NATO will not take Russia's nuclear threats lightly and, in his opinion, the risk of escalation is high. So this area, these areas right here that uh, that we're looking at, these are the areas. There are four of them to include the Donbas region, uh, as well as areas that they've captured in, as part of this land bridge. These are the areas from Kherson all the way up to the north in uh, the Luhansk area. They are going to be the ones that are going to be voting on these referenda. Uh, when Putin made the statement that he's going to protect Russian territory, he means he's going to protect this part in addition to all of this, the large expanse of the, of the Russian landmass. So when he's doing that, he is saying, this is mine. Uh, NATO's reaction to this is not going to be favorable. And the risk of escalation as a result of that, John, is going to be incredibly high. New York Attorney General Letitia James has filed a lawsuit accusing former President Donald Trump and three of his adult children of fraudulent financial practices. The suit accuses Trump of manipulating property valuations to mislead lenders, insurance brokers and tax authorities in order to receive better rates on bank loans. Jennifer Bidel is a former federal prosecutor and says that it's significant that it's only a civil suit. So the attorney general has brought a civil case here, not a criminal case. I think that's for a reason. The pleading standard in a civil case is much lower. We're talking about a burden of proof by the preponderance of the evidence. 
not a burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Bidel goes on to say that, in her opinion, if state prosecutors had a criminal case, they would have brought it. I think if the state-level prosecutors thought that they had a criminal case to bring, they would have brought it today or around the same time as this complaint. Whether the feds can make some criminal federal case out of this by perhaps comparing what's on Donald Trump's IRS statements with these inflated valuations, that remains to be seen. But certainly I think the state is opting out of the criminal arena. Some legal experts believe the suit is politically motivated. Former Attorney General Bill Barr joined Fox News and believes the New York AG has overstepped. It's hard for me not to conclude it's a political uh, hit job. I and mean, this is a woman who campaigned for office saying that promising she was going to go after Trump, which I think is a, a tremendous abuse of office to go headhunting and targeting individuals. So I think she was targeting Trump. And so uh, this this to me looks like gross overreach, which I think is going to end up backfiring on them because I think it will make people sympathetic for Trump, that this is another example of uh, people piling on because of uh, Trump derangement syndrome. This you know, this strong desire to, you know, to, to, to punish him. The lawsuit seeks some $250 million in allegedly illegal profits and to bar Trump and his three adult children from participating in any real estate transactions for the next five years. According to a new study, COVID has driven New Yorkers to the state of Florida in unprecedented numbers. The report finds that a total of 5,800 New Yorkers switched their driver's licenses to Florida in the month of August, the highest recorded number for a single month in history. To date, 41,885 New Yorkers have handed over their licenses after moving south, a torrid pace that's pointing to a new annual record. Carol Markowitz is a columnist for the New York Post and joined Fox News to discuss why she and her family moved from New York to the Sunshine State. There's so many things going wrong in New York City right now, but the key thing for me is that we have put kids last throughout the pandemic and we continue to do that today. Uh, it's a city that really treats kids like an afterthought, and I have to get my kids out of that. I, I, we can't stay. Markowitz says New York's mask mandates during the pandemic negatively impacted her son's learning in school. So my six-year-old has been in masks, you know, his entire uh, schooling career so far. He's in first grade. He's not reading yet. I wrote about him this week for the Post. Uh, my other two kids were reading quite early. They're very voracious readers. And I see a change. And I think it's because, you know, I, I really do see that it's because of the masking. He's a shy kid. He doesn't repeat himself. He doesn't, um, uh, you know, enunciate very well. He doesn't understand what his teacher is saying. It's a giant issue. And the fact that we ignore that this is going to be a problem is, is the problem to me. It's like the, the pretense that in a year we're not going to accept that these masks caused actual problems for these kids is ridiculous. Markowitz goes on to say that Florida offers normalcy 
I mean, real estate is on fire there. Um, we're heading in a few weeks, so we haven't we haven't quite left yet. But we have already secured uh, housing down there, and yeah, it's it's extremely popular, and it makes sense because it's a place where if you want your family to have 2019 normalcy, Ron DeSantis is there to ensure that you do. And I, you know, I keep saying like it's not about one individual leader, although he sets the tone for the state. But it's the Floridians have decided that they want their normal lives. This New York mother echoes Markowitz's sentiments as she explains that it was Florida's open schools that brought her family down from the Big Apple. I feel free here compared to back at home where if you, you know, that's that's not happening, at least not yet. Florida schools were open and it, they were able to go to the classrooms and be in person. Um, I, I, I fell in love with that. In April, New York Mayor Eric Adams seemed to acknowledge the population drain and bought digital billboards in the Sunshine State to woo New Yorkers back to the Big Apple. A slew of other states, including Washington, Oregon, and Pennsylvania, all set new records for Florida driver's license applications, according to the new data. House Democrats have reached a deal on some policing bills with a vote planned for later today on Capitol Hill. Daybreak Insider's congressional correspondent Bernie Bennett has his eye on the pre-vote maneuvering. House Democrats have reached a long, elusive agreement on a package of police and community safety bills, according to several of the top stakeholders, with plans for the lower chamber to vote Thursday to send the legislation to the Senate. The deal arrives after months of tense talks between moderate Democrats, who have been pushing for a vote on the pro-police package ahead of the midterm elections, and liberals leery of showering new funds on law enforcers without new safeguards for curbing police abuse. Those in tight races see policing legislation as a way to combat attacks from their Republican challengers that the party wants to, quote, defund the police. Bernie Bennett, Washington. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is set to formally reveal a four-part commitment to America in Pittsburgh on Friday to tell voters why they should vote for Republicans and to give the GOP a unifying message for the midterms in November. Speaking with the Salem Radio Network, Republican Congressman Jim Banks says he may run for majority whip if his party flips the House in the midterms. Got to win back the majority, and that's what all of us are focused on and doing our part to do that. But, but Hugh, I want to I be a part of the, the leadership team that advances the agenda that we're promising the American people on the campaign trail. And if, if my colleagues give me the opportunity to do that as the whip, um, I can't think of a more consequential place to, to be a part of the a, a part of the leadership that it's going to take to get it done. Banks tells the Salem Radio Network that the House Minority Leader organized members of the Republican Caucus to present a plan to fix some of America's problems. McCarthy understood that we got to get every Republican in the boat rowing in the same direction and uh, have all members give input. So we have task forces on big tech, on health care, on border security, on uh, energy uh, solutions, and all of that resulted in what you're going to see unveiled on Friday. Banks says that the House Minority Leader has a plan to combat China's anti-American agenda. One big part of the commitment to America that I think is really important and should be underscored. Kevin McCarthy is going to create for the first time a special select committee on China that's devoted to bringing our supply chain back to the United States of America. That's the type of 
vision and leadership that future Speaker McCarthy is going to bring to our country that I'm excited about. The Federal Reserve raised its key interest rate Wednesday by a substantial three-quarters of a point. The Federal Reserve raised its key interest rate Wednesday by a substantial three-quarters of a point for a third straight time and signaled more large rate hikes to come in a move that was seen as aggressive and raised fears that it will heighten the risk of an eventual recession. Federal Reserve Board Chair Jerome Powell says the Fed continues moving forcefully in a bid to lower inflation. The FOMC raised its policy interest rate by three-quarters of a percentage point, and we anticipate that ongoing increases will be appropriate. We are moving our policy stance purposefully to a level that will be sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2%. Powell says the Fed will eventually reach a point where rates are high enough to do the job. We're not at that level. Clearly today, we're, you know, we're just, uh, we've just moved, I think, probably into the very very lowest level of what might be restrictive. And and certainly in my view and in the view of the committee, there's uh, there's a, a ways to go. On the other hand, Powell says there is a bottom line. Inflation is running too high. It's running 4.5% or above. You don't need to know much more than that. If that's the one thing you know, you know that, that this committee is committed to getting to a you know, meaningfully restrictive stance of policy and staying there until, until we feel confident that inflation is coming down. Economics writer Chris Rugerer reports higher interest rates mean higher borrowing costs for consumers. For things like mortgages, auto loans, business loans. And the Fed hopes that by raising the cost of borrowing, it will slow spending and therefore slow the economy a bit, and then that will bring down inflation. Rugerber reports the interest rate hike will hit the jobs market. The Fed has increased its forecast for how high unemployment will go. They now expect unemployment to get up to 4.4% next year, and that's compared to 3.7% now. And that translates really into about a million people, potentially a million and a half, losing their jobs. A blind dog fell into a deep, and narrow hole in California and had to be rescued by emergency crews Tuesday night. Daybreak Insider's Julie Walker has more on the rescue. The action unfolded with ABC 7 Los Angeles reporting from its helicopter overhead. Very frightened now coming up to the surface. There he is. There's a dog. And on the ground, the blind 13-year-old dog reunited with its grateful owner, Mary, who lives next to the construction site that Caesar wandered onto. Pasadena Fire Chief Chad Augustine says this was a difficult rescue in a 15-foot deep, three-foot-wide hole. Confined space rescues are low-frequency, high-risk. Rescuers hooked up a series of ropes and pulleys, lowered a member down, and got Caesar out safely. I'm Julie Walker. And finally... At this year's North American International Auto Show in Detroit, a Japanese mobility startup, Airwinds, showcased a very special vehicle, a hoverbike. Seriously, look at this thing. 
loving it. Uh, the Airwinds Hoverbike made its debut at the North American Auto Show in Detroit this week. It travels up to 62 miles an hour for up to 40 minutes. It uses fuel and electric power, but it is mercilessly expensive. Hang on to your Hamiltons. A new model of this hover bike is going to set you back $777,000. You heard me right. Three quarters of a million dollars for that thing. If you can wait until 2025, though, the Delaware-based company that makes the bike says it's going to release some smaller models for only about $50,000. So start saving your money, folks. The hover bike center looks like a regular street bike. But it's surrounded by large, air-moving fans, lending the vehicle the overall appearance of a massive, rideable drone. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going. We don't need roads. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at daybreakinsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.